If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. There's no purpose in teaching anybody who don't really want to learn, who really don't want to get to it. Everybody want to play entrepreneur. They don't want the sacrifice that come with this shit. Hmm. Late nights, early mornings. You're going to lose friends, lose girlfriends, family going to call you crazy, not going to believe in you, then you make it, and then everybody going to be like, I'm proud of you, let me get some money. What I've realized that wealthy people understand, mm -hmm. and people in general, it's the small concepts that you can apply to get wealthy. You don't gotta be super smart and gotta know all the intricacies of real estate or taxes or e-commerce or whatever, trucking, yeah. whatever yeah, it, it is. It's good if you wanna be rich in that business, but yeah. you don't need to know that. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know small, basic concepts. Mm -hmm. And one of the smallest basic concepts that anybody can understand is get money by income. Mm. Get money by more money. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. What's up with it, wealthy people? Your boy David Bellard here, one fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance crew. Man. I am excited about today's season four. Uh, we have another great episode. Yes, sir. Today. I'm here with my brother, Jalen Clark. Jalen, how you living, bro? What up, y'all? It's your boy, Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Coast Renaissance checking in. I'm feeling great. Back in Dallas, hot as shit, but, you know, we making it, dog. Hey, man. You see, you popped out with the little... Yeah, man. Yeah. I had to get my kind of uncle swag on, I guess. <laughs> But nah, man, Ready I'm popping. Yeah, man. I feel like I need to be on the beach, though. I need to be in the Caribbean, though. Hey, man, this was up, man. You know, that was... It's lit out here. I'm glad to have you back in the city, bro. And shit, I'm just happy for the day. This is another great... Hell yeah. ...of the Black Wolf Renaissance podcast. And Season four, we've been kicking a whole lot of game, a whole lot of hot shit. Let us know what y'all been thinking of it. But up until this point, I'll let you get into it, my yes, brother. Sir, man. Today, we got another special guest. A legend in his own right now. So I know if you heard, if you grew up in the mixtape, Gangsta Grills, you bastards, you got it. You heard the, this iconic Cannon. drop. Man. Go, go, run it back, run it back. Cannon. That shit used to go so hard, dog. When I, when I heard that shit, I knew some pressure was coming, dog. I remember being a little shawty whenever, you know, Wayne was doing this thing with the dedications and everything. I was like, man. Who is this Cannon nigga, man? Why he keep on doing this? I think like you were one of the first producers that I really heard do like the drops like before it really got high and stuff like that. Yeah. So like, as David was alluding to, we have a legend in the game, someone who's been putting on for really just the music industry, underground, 
breaking some of your favorite artists, none other than Mr. Diane Cannon. What's up? Thank you for What's coming up? on What's to up? the Black Earth Renaissance Podcast. Appreciate it. No problem. Yes, sir, man. So, Don, definitely want to say thank you for coming out to the show and joining doubt, us no today. Doubt, uh, and we want to kick this thing off how we kick everything off, man. We just want to get into your journey. Like, I know we gave introduction, like, I experienced from you, but, like, can in your words, can you tell us who Don Cannon is? Oh, man. You said it was a legend. I just fit the description, you know what I mean? I'm not really a legend in my own mind, but, you know, I started off with a, a good journey, man. You know, I have a different outlook on you know most people pick up music and producing and you know certain things in their later years i'm one of those guys that was born into it you know what i mean i got my first turntable when i was three years old you know what i mean Damn. five years old i was already djing uh and just watching my uncle keith boyd he taught me some stuff i was already into it you know in 11 12 i was rapping and making beats already you know I've, i always tell people this i always wanted to be the shack you know what i mean i wanted to play ball and and uh make some music, music but, <laughs> yeah. you know ball ain't panned out but you know that's where i was at with it you know i always wanted to be this guy you know it carried all the way through atlanta like i didn't even know going to atlanta the school was going to be uh so instrumental in my career in music i just didn't know i just thought i was going to school you know what i mean um you just live a dream and you come from a city of philadelphia you know a lot of things you know it makes it hard to believe you can accomplish you know mm -hmm. what i mean when you're going to school you're going to high school and they tell you you might end up in jail or you might not be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's discouraging because, you know, you think that's your life. You see that all around you. Then some, when you're leaving high school for graduation, they tell you that. So, you know. You don't come back. You're going to end up like <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and then, you know, just being in the city and being able to travel land, I just didn't know what was in store. And when I got there, it was just, it was a great opportunity for me to really dig into my goals and, and get where I think I was going to be. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I'm going to get into it. So you went down to Atlanta, uh, moved from Philly. What was your first start? You started DJing in Atlanta? So talk through yeah, that song. Did you DJ your way through like college to make some bread and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, so when I came down my freshman year, I had a setup in my dorm room. And they had, we had a basketball court right outside. It was Brawley Hall was the name of our, uh, our dorm. Where'd you go to school at? Uh, Clark Atlanta. I'm sorry. Clark Atlanta, AUC Center. You know what I mean? Yes, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had a, a basketball court right outside our dorm room. And everybody... Anytime I couldn't play basketball, I would DJ for, you know, if like, so we'll have teams. If my team lost, I'd go to the room, play music. i put the speaker in the window, and I'd play it, you know, out the window while people jamming. The girls would come outside. I forget the home, maybe Holmes Hall. I forget the name of it. Everybody come outside. You know, we had uh, certain kids from the projects. They'd come over and play basketball. So I had the soundtrack. And I used to do all that, you know, in nighttime, I'd make beats. You know, if I got called for the next basketball game, I'd go back out and play. But I'd still have the music running. But, you know, that that was my start. Then that moved to, like, the cafeteria, which, you know, was different. Because I'd never seen that in no other historical black college where I went to, like, you know, Howard and all this. They didn't have that cafeteria where the DJ was set up. You know really? Yeah, yeah, that's all I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, like, I was responsible. I, I, now y'all get new information, but I was responsible for a lot of the food fights too. And then, yeah, I play like tear the club up and like all that in the cafeteria, and it just be a food fight. You know what I mean? It might be the football team versus you know Brawley Hall, Brawley Hall versus the basketball team, whatever. But I was responsible for them. You know, and that traveled. We had something called uh, the student center, and mm -hmm. upstairs was like almost like a a room where 
they had banquets and stuff at, and mm-hmm. I started DJing uh, parties up there. Now, as I got as I got good, that traveled to something we call Pascals. It had a downstairs kind of like little banquet center. I was mm-hmm. DJing under there. I DJed on a promenade, which was like a long strip, brick strip that connected all the schools. So like, you know, on Thursdays and some on Fridays was at Spelman, that would be just open. We'd go to class, but that whole day people would be up and down the strip, buying clothes, buying, you know, all the people out there yeah. just trying to make money. I was out there DJing yeah. for the whole day. And that, um, that helped you establish your name in the city. Yeah, it helped me establish because all the, all the promoters around the city wanted to come see the young uh, talent. So they would come out there. Uh, a couple promoters came and picked us up. I started going to the clubs. Uh, started out like a club called Carmel, which was a good underground club. And you had uh, Chili Pepper. Yeah. All those joints in Bucket, you know, it's part of Atlanta. I used mm-hmm. to go in there and uh, DJ. And then, that, you know, I, I started doing these joints called the, uh, it's funny, Louisiana, Texas party. So it was a Louisiana, Texas versus New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was like the most popular party when I was in school, you know what I mean? And I did kind of like the New York because, you know, when you're down south, a lot of the times, everything up north to them is New York. So like I was from Philly and I used to be walking around Atlanta, they used to be like, what up New York? I'd be like, man, I'm from Philly. Why y'all keep calling me New York? But I understood, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It was just an up north thing. So we had this uh, Louisiana, Texas party and all through college, I was the DJ for New York and Paul was the DJ for Louisiana, Texas. Really? Yeah, so we we, uh, built a relationship all the way since then, and you know, he was the first one of the first couple of people I seen selling his uh, tapes out of trunks when he was going out there just trying to make some extra money. But that was like the Louisiana, Texas. You know, what I mean, they called it latex. Yeah, you know what I mean. So oh, that was the party that we used to do out there in college. Going on after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was called Studio Central, I think. I yeah. think the name of the spot. But yeah, that's where I got my real name at, and then. I started getting in, you know, early 1920, I started getting, doing puffs parties, uh, shack parties, all yeah. that vision. Yeah, I started going crazy. So how how were you like networking and taking advantage of those opportunities to get into those areas, the puff parties and the shack parties and everything like that? I know a lot of people don't want to do this, but I started off doing everything for free. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I wanted people to see how talented I was. So a lot of the stuff just came free. It was just something I, I loved to do anyway. You know what I mean? So I was like, am I going to say I don't want the money and not do it and not get the experience? Or am I going to do it for free, get the experience? And people are like, yo, maybe that guy may not pay me because I did it for free. He's always going to wait that. But the next guy is going to want to, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I started out doing that. And I was just, I was killing the club scene. I was the youngest, you know, a lot of the DJs were maybe five, six years older. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. To me, and they was just running the streets for real, for real. But me being the youngest in charge at that time, like, that was the go-to. So I made my name, and this the, the network got stronger. You know what I mean? I feel you. So you, you took advantage of those opportunities. Like you said, most people don't want to work for free. It's not yeah. – it, you look at it as, like, a bad thing always. But you took advantage of those opportunities and leveraged it to get paying gigs. So yeah. I, I kind of want to talk more about, like, transitioning it into a business now. Mm-hmm. Like, so yep. you went from just being a DJ, kind of like a prodigy at it, to turning this into a business. When did you, like – realized that the music business was a business that you were going to like work in. I really didn't understand the business. Again, I always tell people that we never had an OG like, you know, some of the guys uh, that we look up to like Russell Simmons and Kevin Lawson. Nobody really came and put their arm around us like, hey, I see what y'all doing. I'm going to show y'all how to really do this business. I was just doing what I thought was the right thing. Everything mm-hmm. came like almost natural. It sounds crazy, but... You know, when I started DJing and stuff, I was like, man, I need a business card. My first business card was to make a CD for everybody to listen to with my mixes on it. So yeah. that's what I was doing. And I had my number. I had a Skytel pager. I put the Skytel pager on the number on the back. And I was like, yo, how can I brand myself? You know, I had to make a logo. I had to make a drop or whatever just to, to brand myself because the competition was real. You know what I mean? And when I was coming up, Atlanta, uh, Big Oomp Camp, they had the city on smash. You know what I mean? And Big Oomp had, you know, Monte, they had, you know, a lot of DJs, DJ Jelly. And these guys were already making CDs out there. So, you know, we had to make something that was separate, you know, to build my brand. And um, I watched them guys just really, like, captivate the streets. Like, Jelly, Edward J, like, Monte, all these, all the artists. Big Oomp was really instrumental in the city. And I was like, man, how could we, you know, we coming in somebody else's, backyard mm-hmm. and trying to live you know what i'm saying how can we add instead of steal mm-hmm. so we just started adding to it and then you know after a while people took to the brand um like i said when i was 19 20 like who knows at that age with no social media no youtube to look at how to make a logo you know what i mean how to do these things you know how to make a cover yeah a cover art like you know what i mean so it was it was just something i was just doing it was something like I was So you done kid. all of it yourself? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I had yeah. a logo. I had... Uh, Were you a business major? I was. I was business management. I business you. management. Yeah. So uh, it, even I look back at it as nine, ten years old. Nobody taught me how to make beats. I was just doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I just figured out, like, how did I record a demo? Like, where did that come from in my brain? There was really nothing to watch, to understand this. I just knew... I just adapt to it as a kid, you know what I mean? A lot of kid, a lot of kids don't get a chance to adapt to it because they don't know what to do. You know, I never had piano lessons. I never had drum lessions. I just was doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just just, just, yeah, so I never really, I always tried to figure out what it was and my mom would just try to always make me sum it up and say, yo, you're a prodigy. And I used to be like, yeah, but that just puts a closed door on what I'm talking about. I'm still trying to figure out at some point, how did I just get to this point where I knew what I was doing. Like, how did I know to make a logo? It just, you know, I, I guess, you know, business management, accounting, mm-hmm. and building things. Like, I always wanted to be an architect, you know what I mean? But I wanted, I was like, yo, I'm so confident in knowing how to do certain things. I needed to know how the business was ran. And that was the most thing. It's like, yo, you could be this big time producer. How are you going to take care of your money? 
I got into business management. I help. I guess that helped, you know, to your question, how I learned to turn into a business, like mm-hmm. getting a logo. Um, I'm 23 years old. I had a bank account with Canon Music. You know what I'm saying? It was just like people don't know yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just like an, I was a little more advanced, you know, and, and not for nothing. When I met Drama at 19 years old, he was doing the same thing. And I see him doing little things and I just like, OK, let me not lean on him as much, but let me mm-hmm. take what he's doing and figure, <laughs> figure it out. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, so you meet Drama at 19. When do y'all start doing the actual music? Like, not just music, because I know you're DJing. He's probably DJing. When do y'all actually come together and say, okay, we're actually going to start doing tapes? Or when when y'all start collaborating on that? He was already gone, so John was already popping uh, all the way in Philly. Mm-hmm. So he came, he's a year older. They came down. and uh, Did you guy, know him in Philly? I didn't. Okay. So my guy Jabari... Uh, that I knew in Philly was like, yo, when we go down to Atlanta, you got to get with drama. He's like running the whole shit. And I was like, all right, cool. When I get down, I finally run into him. I give him a beat tape. He goes, listen to it. And he's like, yo, good as hell. Come to the crib. So by the time I was like already coming to his crib, uh, he was living off campus. And uh, he already had like these guys. It was big in the city called Binkus. And, you know, they was tied in the Talib, Kweli, and most Def, and oh, Fat shit. Beats. He was already, like, yeah. in motion. So I was just trying to get my beats to them guys, like, just being in, you know, in his circle. And he already had a network. He had all these people around him. He was already, like, making tapes. He had, like, a, a, a dance hall uh, mixtape. He had uh, How the South was one, which still was the original Gangsta Girls. It was called How the South was one. And... uh he had a, a automatic relaxation, which was like a neo soul tape. So at that time, I was making beats to, like in the basement. So those fit those projects, and I started producing his intros and stuff like that, just getting out there. You know what I mean? And then that just grew into a whole business of when Gangster Girls was started. We moved into me giving the records to the artists. You know, they were all new, so it wasn't like nose stuck up in the air and shit. Like you know, Ti was new, so. Him rapping on my beat, he was just doing his thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I just grew. We just met a whole bunch of people. I think the only person that was already moving by the time we started was Ludacris. And he was like big for the city. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Gotcha. So these, these mixtapes, right? We grew up in the mixtape area, like we were saying in the beginning. Like, when did you guys recognize that Gangsta Grills became this cultural, Spain, yeah. like this cultural thing? And, from that, how did you guys start monetizing Gangsta Grills? Because, like, we know mixtapes were free. We would get yep. this music for free. We'd go to that Piff, Line Wild, wherever we was going to get or it. Or you had yeah. the big homie, you get it from him, and you rip it from him, store it in your stuff. Like, yeah. Stuff so, so what year did y'all graduate from school? 2013. School 2013. Okay, so, two th- so yeah, so uh, in the early 2000s, when Gangsta Grills was created, it was just a brand of everybody. Mm-hmm. And we knew it got big when Little John and, you know, Killer Mike and Big Boy and these guys was calling like, yo, we want to do a mixtape. Because basically, again, that's your business card. So that's what we were doing. You know what I mean? We were making business card for these artists and we were being the spokesman for them. We're basically, you know, QVC is a great product. I'm on there telling y'all, y'all need to buy this product. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was the QVC of the streets. You see what I'm saying? So that's what we was trying to do the whole time was be be these these people that could 
you know, front run the artist. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where it pretty much came from. That's where the brand started getting big. You know, we got to levels like when uh, John Legend was calling and uh, Niles Barkley, which is CeeLo, mm-hmm. and Pharrell and Wayne. And then we was like, oh, we on to something. You know what I mean? So that's where it really came into play. Like we knew we had a brand. You know what I mean? So when did you guys really just start saying, okay, we're taking Gangsta Grills. We're going to really just switch over to the focusing on the artist side, you know, like the label side and actually starting to push that type of stuff. There was a time where we were doing all this stuff for artists and all we were getting was the handshake, like, thank you so much. Yeah, like, what oh, up? So what up? That. You like, still doing all of that shit for free too? No, 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 no. But it, we were getting paid, but it was just like, it wasn't this big, you know, mm-hmm. these have, guys are jumping to back in profits. They're jumping situation. to millionaire status, and it's like we're stuck here. So we're just trying to figure out where it goes from there. We were good friends. We made good friends with a lot of the artists, but they were always signed to different situations. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to figure out how to get into that space. And the first thing was like, "Hey, Gangsta Girls a brand. Let's do an album." You know what I'm saying? And you know, the first people was Asylum and Atlantic Records that picked up and was like, "Oh." We could do an album and really monetize this the correct way. I think that's where it turned over to a real business mm-hmm. where it was like, okay, we're getting an album out. It's legitimately coming out. It's not, you got to go find it on the street or yeah. live wire or nothing. It's just like legitimately coming out. So I think that's where the business started to flourish in a real space. And that that's pretty much it. Like, you know what I mean? We, we just turned over leave. Like I was saying earlier, we never knew what we were doing. We didn't have you no have manager coming and yeah. saying, yo, like, well, do this. No, we was just doing it. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you came with a deal, it was like, oh, we're doing a deal. And we're going to deliver. That's, you know, part of my forte and my toolbox is being an executor. Mm-hmm. So all I knew how to do was execute. I didn't think about anything else. You know what I mean? I just executed. I didn't care. I just wanted the job done. I wanted it right. That's just how, you know, I thought about it. So we didn't we didn't have a whole bunch of strategic things going on because it was like, man, you got to strike while it's hot. What are we doing? Who's executing? You know what I mean? And that's, a, that's a strong lesson in that, though. Like, sometimes we always want to have everything all figured out, but execution is the way that you'll get to the point. One thousand percent. Whenever, like you said, strike when the iron's hot. I really like that. So I guess my next thing that I'm wondering, you guys went, you got the first album done with the label. Um, when did the idea for where you and Drama come together to be you guys to form your own label? Right after the album. So again, we were getting we were getting offers, and it was like, man, y'all breaking so many artists. What are we doing? What are y'all doing? And the first person that came to us was Joey Manda, and Joey Manda has been you know a legend in New York and in the, in the game. And uh, he was running Asylum at the time. I think he had Swisher House. Uh, he had uh, Dipset. He was doing a lot of business with them. Um, and Asylum was a division of Atlantic and Warner at the time. Mm-hmm. And we went to Atlantic, we sat with him, uh, we talked about him, he really saw the vision, and he gave us a, a record deal for Affiliates Records, which was our first label that mm-hmm. really nobody really knew about. And we had an artist named Willie the Kid, and we were pushing him. When we did Asylum, we was like, oh, we could put out as many projects as we want, you know what I mean, on the great platforms. Like, mm-hmm. we actually about to be in Best Buys. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? So. Yeah. That's what we are focusing on. And within that label experience, we learned that always being in front of the artist doesn't work the same on a commercial level 
than a lot of times than it does on an underground level. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you got Swisher House and they're pushing all these artists, mm-hmm. like, the brand is making these artists because the city knew about the brand. Like, the city knew about Gangsta Girls, but when we're going to a commercial level, mm-hmm. like, the higher hires, they don't really know what Gangsta Girls is. So we were getting in front of the artists too much and not letting the artists be out and yeah. us just pushing it. We was like, hey, 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 you better listen to us. And they like, well, who the fuck is y'all? You know what I'm saying? So I think that's where um, most of the lessons in the business came early on was uh, our first deal with Asylum and just trying to figure out the process and how to really make it work. And, um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it with that. I, I'm glad you brought up lessons because I wanted to get in that. What what was that one of your biggest lessons when coming up like that not getting in front of the artists or what was one of your biggest lessons from that era before you know y'all really just started to really take off? Uh, that was one of the biggest lessons. Uh, we learned that later too. We was like, damn, why does artists ain't work and we're working on everybody else and it's working on the underground level, but it's not working commercially. But I felt like we were kind of like uh, pushing too hard in front of somebody else's talent. We, we overshadowed it. So that was one of the, you know, one Y'all of the things. stars that, over the actual rap. Yeah, because yeah, actually we are, we were. Mm-hmm. But we had, you know, we had a lot of, we had some acts signed, but like we were gravy over, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It was just too much. You know, like the, too much. If, if you were doing a show promoting Willie the Kid, people wouldn't come in for Willie the Kid. They were coming for Don yeah. DJ Drama. We didn't allow him to build into a space where he was on his own. Gotcha. And then we kind of, you know, pushed it. It was just like, for so we, we were so hot that everything that they were talking about was based on us. So it was like, oh, they, he just popping because of him. And that was, we mm. didn't see it at the time because we were in it. More like a cosign type. Yeah, like it was just too much. It was like they didn't even give him a chance. Dude could rap his ass off, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. he he didn't get quite the chance because we was we were so we were scorching hot, bro. We was all in front of them, like so you know what I mean. So from there, you guys realized that in order to build it more like a successful label, you had to play the back the background more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, again, like we were putting him on a great song. He was on songs with Fab. He was on songs with everybody. But I think it was just forcing forcing it on people more than it was. Like I say, he was talented as hell, but it was just like, we couldn't, we couldn't see it. And then, you know, in the South, it's like, you get all these people, they just talking from all over the place that we start in, you know, we, we in Atlanta, we build in Atlanta, but we bring in like an up North type of artist in. It's like, you know, it's just so much talk you hear that we had to focus on tuning out because it was like, yo, what is the real key and the issue here? Like, how do we get to the next step? So it was a lot of that confusion going on, but we learned through that in order to travel into the new business. You know, some things I had to learn. Like I took a job at Jeff Def Jam just to learn, you know, what was under the hood. Like mm-hmm. how how's this how's this operate? Why is it operating like this? Mm-hmm. What don't we know? You know what I'm saying? So those things all helped us grow into the business we have now. Wendy's two for six dollars lets you mix and match some of our best items, like <gasps> Dave single with a ten piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave single, Dave single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade. If you're into that, chicken Sam crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's Dave's nugs, nugs, Sam Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price of participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's on the card only. Single item at regular price. 
another generation now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm glad you talked about the job at Dev Jam. What was your role first? Uh, Vice President at A&R. Okay. Yeah. So second is I want to, because a lot of people, we just see the final product of music, right? Yep. We don't see the process of actually creating the music, refining it, like you said, pushing it out. What does that look like to actually, what's some of the pieces the of the team that's needed to be successful in the music industry, right? Like, you know, football, you got linemen, you got yep. a quarterback, yeah. you got a running back. What do you need on a label? You talking about on an independent level or you talking about on a label level? Uh, could you do a breakdown of both? Okay, so on an independent level, a lot you don't have like a lot of overhead sometimes to work on stuff, right? So uh, one of the things that we always started out was with a good, a good A&R. It's artist and repertoire is the original name of mm -hmm. A&R, if anybody doesn't know. And uh, they're basically doing everything, the artists, and the stuff that comes with it. So that's creating the music, helping them find producers, helping them with songs at some point, the writers, uh, filling out the split sheets, uh, getting all the credits together, putting the album together, sequencing, mix and master, all that stuff comes with A&R. You know what I mean? And when we started, we had one A&R, and they were doing all that. Um, on an independent level, some people may have two or three A&Rs. Some people may have a general manager, which helps the overall business be good. Um, you have uh, a president and vice president sometimes. That's For independence, that's a little extreme because it's just a lot of uh, salaries mm -hmm. being tossed around just to get one thing done. Um, some people got studios. They have uh, studio managers, uh, publicists marketing people, independent marketing companies, uh, you know, so uh, all those pieces go into making, you know, uh, these projects right. You have marketing, promotion, you have uh, publicity, really, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the A&R getting the music right. Uh, fortunately, uh, fortunately for us, we were the A&Rs at the point. We were the ears. Mm -hmm. So we were the ones who getting everything together. Uh, from a higher level, yeah, way more so when i was in def jam i started learning you got you know got vice presidents you got evos which is what, executive, EVO? executive vice presidents oh, evps right. i'm sorry yeah uh you got uh promotion uh promotion departments mm -hmm. <laughs> marketing departments on an independent level we had one marketing person mm -hmm. now you got 10 people working on you know just marketing yeah then you got product uh, product managers, which manage the overall project, like what, where are we pushing the project? When's it coming out? Uh, uh, wh what markets are we going to engage in? So you got all that. Then you have, you know, your president, you have your sales, you have radio, like independence, you, you don't have sales. Like we just go for what we knew. We went to the stores in a van and went hey, promoted and be like, yo, can we sell this here in our, in the store? And then, you know, or be like an artist, can he do it in the in store? So, you know, things change. So I'm like, oh snap, okay, people got, you know, whole departments for this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Then you got uh, promotion departments. But back then, we used to have snipers go out and put posters up and give out promo, give out towels, t-shirts, just to promote the artist. So it's so much that had to go in, it. and then you know you start lifting up a hood and you start looking at numbers and books and what. Uh, a lot of labels go after why do they spend money on certain things and hey there ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster oh you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you yeah or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about 
Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Why do they look at this artist as more popping mm-hmm. than a talented guy? Might not might not be getting the most you know promotion. Maybe a better uh, musician or artist. But yeah. his input he's harder his, to mark. His input is better than I mean his output is better than the input. Mm-hmm. So sometimes he might have a record that's doing well in certain cities, and that's why his promotion is getting you know a little bit more of the the upside than another artist that we be like, man, he's why is he not popping? He's good as hell. Like you know, it's all those things that. Get in there and set for independence. We go with what we know as an ear. Mm-hmm. He's the best. Put him out. This guy mm-hmm. might be the most commercial success, but we always go for the ear. So it's just a lot of a lot that goes into it, into the business. But I learned as in a corporation, you have all these departments mm-hmm. that uh, that help you get your product fully out to the masses. When independent, we just going for what we know. Mm-hmm. You know, and most most companies like that's independent. They go for what they know. We came from the streets it was hustle you know mm-hmm. we didn't know anything we, you know what i'm saying we didn't feel know right in the work we're gonna keep on doing that was it we was in the field so it was like we didn't know who to contact to do we just threw it up and hopefully it stuck you know what i'm saying that's it so so next thing i want to get into you mentioned earlier um when y'all had the affiliates y'all were signed to asylum and asylum was signed to atlantic correct it's a it was a division so okay I, I kind of want to get into the structure of some of these labels. Because we know there's like, what, three majors? What, there's Atlantic, Warner, Def Jam. Is Def Jam part of Warner? Def Jam is part of uh, Universal. Universal. Yeah, so, yeah. So, is Sony still? Sony. So yeah. you got, we can go bigger. I can't really get into it. But Vivendi is like, a, it's a company all the way yeah. over. You know, and they control a lot of I the, actually the tried companies. Googling them niggas one time. What, it's so Vivendi? hard to figure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. Like, we'd we be here all day trying to figure Bro, out like, what that is. Bro, like, so many you know sub-companies that make it up. It's just like, backtrack to back. Yeah, it's like, the, the really the big backers. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Then you had a company. So Universal mm-hmm. has Universal, Universal Republic, B&G, Interscope, mm-hmm. Jam, you know, all those companies. Then you got Warner, which has... Atlantic Records is their sister company. You got Asylum Steel, Warner's standalone on his own. You have uh, Electra, which is a dance company. It's like, it's so many labels in there. ADA, which is like their press and distribute company. Then you have, um, you have like the Sony that has Epic, RCA, Sony itself, you know. It's, it's a lot of layers to it. So I guess the reason I'm asking is because I always try to understand how these deals work with like, an artist whenever they get their own label, right? So an artist will sign, uh, I always think about a Pusha T line whenever he was beefing with Drake. He said, you signed to one nigga that signed to another nigga that signed to three niggas. Like, I'll just be trying to understand the structure of it and how artists benefit by creating their own label. Yeah, so I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a two, two thing scenario. So some artists, uh, 
some artists may sign to one person. So say I'm from the streets, I'm from the projects, mm-hmm. and I meet the guy that got the money from the projects. We may do some business together to help me get to the next level. That guy might know somebody that's a club owner, mm-hmm. and a club owner introduces us to, uh, this is just an example. This don't have to be, I'm just clearly yeah. off the mind. Uh, might introduce me to uh, somebody they do business with at the club that's a label owner that has, you know, signing power. In order to get to that next level, they may say, hey, well, I want to be in business with you. Let's sign this and then I'll get you to this. And that's how you end up in three deals. You might end up in four deals. You might end up in, you know, just one deal. So a lot of artists that come now, uh, the way they get the videos out, the way they, you know, use promotion, if it's not for free, they may look for somebody that has some backing for them and that might be their furnishing company or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's how people get in these situations. But then, you know, people, as we've gone on, people start signing themselves to themselves. They build a company, sign themselves to the company. Uh, it's so it's, it's just so many ways around it. You know, some people just like having backing. You know, mm-hmm. most artists do because you just want to worry about being creative. You don't want to worry about uh, having to pay for this, this video. <laughs> and what do I do next? Like, you know, uh, coming up. The kids are a lot smarter now. They're like, you know, they're really cost effective. Uh, they're really, really smart with uh, times and social media where they know when to drop it to get the most shock value and traction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also a lot of people that come from places where they don't have all those resources. You know what I mean? So we could get into that later. But okay. that's, why I, <laughs> that's why I was just talking about like, Getting signed to yourself is probably the smartest because you have the control. You're the furnishing company. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people go directly to the label, and then some people end up in those situations where they're signed to somebody. They're signed to somebody, but I don't think none of it is wrong. Honestly, yeah. it's just how you how you think your steps are. You know, people we're all creators in some way. Mm-hmm. So, in order to get to some of these levels you have to have some type of sacrifices. You know what I mean? So within those sacrifices, you might say, hey, man, I need 20 grand and get me to this place. I need to travel to roll aloud. I need to do the, you know what I'm saying? So all of it's right. It just depends on the choice and what you want to do as an artist. And, you know, I love your path. I feel yeah. like I, I, I kind of equated to the whole um, employee versus entrepreneur argument yeah. going on right yeah. now. Like people encourage a lot of people to hop into entrepreneurship, try to be their own boss, yeah. and it may not always be the best path for that individual. Like sometimes it's better to work within a different system, get that funding that strong consistent backing from something else before yeah. just trying to hop out there on your own yeah and i want people to stop stressing the fact that you have to do it on your own yeah you know what i mean you can find these pieces to help you get there you know what i mean and that's where the next level of you know the new creatives and entrepreneurship is is finding the pieces you know mm-hmm. but if you if you want to go that route it's okay like i seen a uh i'm riding through atlanta right now i see money man um, he got these promotions going. His, his, his main line is uh, uh, a nine to five is in corny, being broke is. Yeah. And uh, and it really hit me because I'm like, man, a lot of people out here thinking nine to five is a bad thing. I know a lot of people took a nine to five as billionaires right now. Now, you might not be a billionaire at 30. You might be a billionaire at 60. But the path was great because you stood by something that was like, man, I'm not too good to go do what I need to do. You know what I mean? So, 
that I, I like that promotion that he's doing right now, and I think that we still need to be like, yo, it's okay to do this. You know, it's okay to meet this guy if it's the right synergy and take 30 grand so I can go get something done or, you know, or do it on my own. You know what I mean? I'm really pushing that as well, like doing it on your own um, because right now you don't really need a lot of money to do stuff. You just need to know which way to go. You know what I mean? So that's that's just my point. I kind of want, while we're talking about, you know, the structure of deals and everything, I kind of want to go into different types of deals. Like, you know, there's 360 deals. There's deals where you're owning your masters. There's like, as you said, a distribution deal. Can you kind of break down the different types of deals? What's a distro deal versus a 360? Um, a 360 deal is when you're signing and uh, signing to an independent, you're signing to a, pub, a production company or straight to a label. This is a deal where uh, the person that's in business with you is eating off a little every little piece. So you got ancillaries that come from tour, they come from uh, merch. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it comes from endorsement deals with you know uh, sneaker companies or or uh, movie contracts. You know, whatever the three sixty is set up. You know, the, those are you know some. That's the the most um, current deal that mm-hmm. people get into. Now you have uh, people doing those, and outside of that, have master ownership deals where they own majority of the master which means they have control over sinks when they go to television or you know certain things like that then you have uh, distribution deals where you know i've seen some people do 85 15 splits where they keep 85 percent and 15 percent from the company it's like a distro deal is what they call it or some people you know go to distro kid and get a hundred percent of their money you know what i'm saying and the distro deal breakdown is basically um, just using the tools of these companies while you're getting your, your independent stuff together pretty much. You know, that's what it looks like. It's just a distribution. It's not really somebody telling you how to make the product, helping you with the product. It's just like using the tools. So it's like, you know, this might be uh, Empire and I'm using their marketing tools. I might be using their publicity. I might be using that. And, you know, uh, that percentage comes out of what you earn or whatever's coming through the pipeline. So those those are the those are there's so many deals. You got licensing deals now, artists doing their licensing deals and taking an advance against the license for a certain amount of year and they get it back. You know what I mean? So all that's all that's um you know, all those deals. It's it's so many. There's a lot of different types so, of deal structures in there. It's so many. So I kinda wanna get into the social media thing you touched on earlier because now it seems like to get those types of deals that you're talking about, does an artist need to kind of have their own buzz going on to get like, say like, I want to have one of these master deals where I get the 85% 15 with the, with the label versus like, cause you know, in the past radio was the number one channel. Now we're in the streaming era, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify. Does an artist need to have their own type of like established fan base prior to? Um, it helps. It helps with certain people. I mean, you know, us for generation now, we uh nobody that we were rocking with had this big social media presence we we never built on numbers and mm-hmm. analytics um sometimes that's cool when you want to hit a base hit or hit a home run you might get it but we've never won being in a bidding war for somebody that has this big social media following you know what i mean i'll jump in and once it's there it's like everybody's hollering at you <laughs> you know what i'm saying i was following this kid just now i love his music uh but 
you know, when I went to talk to them, they was like, yo, you can throw an offer in. And that's basically, that's basically like, for us, because it's like, you know what I mean? That means that a lot of people. Be big yeah, yeah. I, I'm not good with bidding wars. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with what's for us is for us. Or what's for me is for me. I'm not really fighting to get nobody's attention. I know what we do. Uh, you study and you respect what we do, respect what I do, and you'll learn it. You know what I mean? Like I said, like Jack Harlow didn't have no big social media presence. Uzi didn't have no big social media presence. Even the artists we got now, they don't have any big social media presence before we met him. This is just pure talent and conviction that we went through to, to find him. But it does leverage certain things. Like, you know, I talk about a lot of artists uh, in certain interviews and how they set up themselves to be master owners, uh, you know, or, you know, doing certain things. So I, I think there's, there's, there's life in being big on social media. We've seen a lot of people build careers on social media to where they've got endorsement deals, you know, they got, mm-hmm. you know, advertising, mm-hmm. you know, so I can't say it's wrong. I just say for us, it's tough for me to buy into that because I can't really see the talent in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of thinking, of it, uh, I hate to use him as the example, but like a 6 9 right? Yeah. Where I honestly, I think the man's music is trash. I just don't like it. It's not for me. Um, but the social media antics kept him relevant. Yeah. Even Lil Pump, dog. Yeah, like that whole little colorful hair era. Era. That was that was not a fun time for me to rap. <laughs> I mean, they smart. They smart kids. And, yeah. You know, that's what I look past. Like, I'm I'm not even into like the personal shit. Like, really, I'd be like really studying. Like, well, how did they get here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm watching like Lil Pump and you know whoever we, whoever's out there. These guys are smart in their own right. Like, mm-hmm. they marketers. Yeah. 17 years old. Yeah, they took advantage like, of it. I know I was doing that. I knew how to market. I didn't have social media, but I knew how to get people to listen to my music or recognize me. I knew what to do. I knew what scratches to do on what songs in the cafeteria or what song to play to get the attention I needed to be like, yo, I fuck with homes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I know what they're doing. So I pay attention to all the kids and what they're doing because it's like, you know, on a, on a competition level, we all go, oh, that's trash and all this, this. But... I'm watching how they're captivating crowds by doing certain things, how they stay in motion and things. Like, that's very important. Like, that's a skill in itself. Like, to even, you know, even if you don't have the best of music, but you're able to market, that's hard as shit. Like, anybody know any business, marketing is probably one of the, the hardest things to do. You know what I mean? So I'm watching these kids do that, and it's like, it's amazing. So, you know, I just watch from afar. Like, I don't really want to get into the whole kind of academic blog type thing where I'm watching people like destroy. I'm watching how y'all marketing each other. How y'all doing that? You know what I mean? How you reaching the masses. Yeah, because it's important to me. I'm t- I'm zoned in. I'm like Kobe. Like, I don't care about nothing, but what's going on? <laughs> like, how we tap into that? Like, all the other shit is cool. But I, you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm really into watching them do that. And all them kids have done it. All of them. Like, all of them that's popping, I don't see a lot of gimmicks. I see a lot of shock value things, and I'm doing. I'm like, oh, this is good marketing. How are they doing this? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, yeah, that's that's how I look at it. You know what I mean? They, but they they captivated like you know all that stuff. All these guys. Yeah. That's a good yeah. take on it. Yeah. I never thought yeah. of it like that. Yeah, definitely uh, caught the attention of the people for sure. And um, so next thing I want to get into. 
At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Is uh, with production, with producers. So as a producer, uh, you kind of talked about some of the structures and deals. How do producers get paid off of music? Uh, multiple ways. You got royalties, you have uh, mechanicals, publishing, uh, advances against you know, whatever's coming out. So like, you know, if I'm selling a beat, you know, most of the time I have a fee for or an advance for using a product, you know what I'm saying? And then I have ways of getting publishing, uh, royalties based on the record and mechanicals. You know, all that stuff is like uh, long-term money, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? But those are all the ways you can. So advances are like the, the immediate check versus the publishing, the royalties, and the, I'm sorry, what was the Mechanicals. Mechanicals. Mechanical royalties, basically. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, so, like, with mechanical royalties, you're getting paid from, like you said, whenever it's on on a TV, uh, on a movie or something like that. Yeah, or like so, every so time it's, sales. Yeah. Uh, uh, every time it's streamed and all of that mean, type NFL, of shit. You know, all that's how you get paid. You know what I mean? When you get on TV video games, all that stuff. You know what I mean? I got you. Yeah. So I kind of want to move forward to some of the newer stuff that you're getting into. And uh, one of the first things I want to talk about is tomorrow. The thing yes, that you're building currently, what actually inspired tomorrow? Can you break down what is tomorrow? Uh, it started with an idea. You know, me and my fiance came up with, um, it's really, uh, it's a creative marketplace. Mm -hmm. And basically, you know, one of the pain points I go through all the time, and I, I tell this all the time, I go to A3C and I go to these festivals and, and I do these speaking engagements and I get tired of, you know, people, you know, at the end, they stand up like, you got questions and they stand up and the first thing says, how do I get home? How do I do this? And my main answer was like, I never had a chance to ever tell them really what it is. It's always like, man, just keep working, put your 10,000 hours in and you know, which is true, but I still want more of a direct, streamlined answer for people when I'm going to them. Like, hey, this is how you do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I didn't have that answer. It's 15 years, it was just keep working hard. That's what I did. Now I have an opportunity with the app to really say, what do you do? You rap? Oh, come to the app. Get your cover art. Get your videographer. Get your stylist. Get your producer. Get your piano guy, your engineer, your master. Then we go to the next level. So that's where I wanted to get past. Like I got so tired of not having an answer because mm -hmm. like I'm the person that don't like to stay the same. When you ask me a question, it's like put me on the spot. And I'm not giving you no answer. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, man, work hard, bro. Keep doing it. And you know, I wanted that opportunity to get to uh create a platform mm -hmm. to where people had a real bullseye answer. Some and that's direction where, and that's where, yeah and that's where it started you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i, I kind of like how you just kind of gave a breakdown so if i am an artist what are some of the core 
kind of like how you gave us the team for the label. Yeah. What's a team that you need for artists to be successful? Um, so coming up now, you're going to need a producer. You're going to need a mix and master, but there's, there's changes here. So you got people that's all in one. Some mm -hmm. artists I'm meeting now, they sing, rap, make beats, mix, master, just don't know how to do cover art. Don't have the video people. They got the vision, but they don't have the people to carry out the vision mm -hmm. or the stylist for the video. So they're missing all those. Then you have artists that are stylists, but can't really find producers to make beats. So we're trying to eliminate this with the app to where you can streamline everything in one way where it's like, okay, I got my producer, got my mix and master. Let me find a stylist and my video guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You That's how, your own yeah, because you know, when you're an artist, it can come in variations of what you really need. Some people don't want a producer. They want to make their own beats and uh, learn how to engineer. But they're not mm -hmm. going to do everything. I don't know one person that's like, I do all of it. I'm the lawyer, the management. <laughs> you I mean, know, it's too much to focus. Yeah. It's too much to focus yeah. on. Yeah, it's too much. You know, unless you're just totally a business person and just half-ass artist. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So, uh, it's a lot of things that go in. Like some people don't have that many. It's just like I'm not doing no videos and no photography and no styling. I'm just doing songs. And I'm putting those out. I never want to be seen. I want people to love my music and fall back. So it's like, you know, it's no real right or wrong answer mm -hmm. to how much things go into what being an artist is or a producer is. It's like how you want to, you know, how, how far, far you want to take go, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, what I love about tomorrow is like kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier with being independent. It allows an independent person to establish that team. Like yeah. you can find you, you can find people in your city yep. who do the, the things that can Fortify your weaknesses. Yep. I'm maybe I I do produce, but I'm not the best producer. Yeah. So I can find this guy. He's gonna be. You got ratings on here to tell you where they are, where they're from. Uh, you can see how they work, and you don't necessarily have to be in the same city with these people either. Yep. Right? You can work with people remotely all, yep. all across the globe. Yep. So, with tomorrow, how does like uh, if I'm a, a somebody in the industry, not necessarily an artist, but maybe a videographer or somebody like, how do I get onto the platform? So what you'll do is you'll get on the app, you'll set up a profile, sign up, set up a profile. Your profile is basically, if you're a videographer, a little bit of your videos, a couple pictures of what you've really done. And you have that there. And it allows people to go and look at the portfolio and say, oh, this work is nice. Let me hit them up and get some work done. Or, you know, vice versa. And this goes for all of the artists, um, you know, creatives, I'm sorry. Uh, artists, producers, everybody has a portfolio to look at. And that's what's actually exciting about it. Because, you know, most people don't have the business card to look at. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I'm a videographer. Where you work? Uh, I got you. Let me get your email. I'm going to send you or I'm going to try to DM. Like, yeah, now we got a wall. Like, you know, we, we got a wall there. And that's the importance of it. Like, portfolios wow i see your work i see people all the time he's just a story yesterday and um it's people that do photography work but now they're artists now and they just don't i'm gonna be getting at you real soon it's like man, i'm waiting for the portfolio because that's what i want to see i want to see the work i don't yeah. you know the type of person i am i'm not the talker i'm trying to see what's up mm -hmm. you know what i mean <laughs> you can't just tell me you're gonna do it. i need to see what right so like. so when you're when you're on the app that's your first step mm -hmm. to success is having that portfolio on the app and letting everybody be able to see it. 
You know what I mean? And that's what that's what I like the most. So I kind of want to get into the transition from being just into the music industry. This this is more tech based. So like, what was that transition like for you? Had you ever done anything like this before? What was it like developing the app, like building the team for that? How was that uh, process for you? Um, it was easy for me. I tell you, when I was 11, 10, something, maybe 10 years old, my mom had a Hewlett Packard. I always tell this story as well. Uh, I used to make video games on her. You know, yeah. you see, you know, we do C colon backslash, and I do all this coding, and I made like these little like Oregon Trail type video games, stuff like that. So I've always been a tech dude. And then hooking up equipment and just knowing that, you know, that's a form of tech. You know, technology, knowing just hardware and that software. You see what I'm saying? So as I grew, I just always stayed ahead of the game. I always wanted the new phone. I always want. I I, I had the Skytel pager. I manipulated that to make my own ringtones. Uh, I did so much stuff moving into the world, and then you know, 2009 and 10, I have my I had an app. You know, people didn't. I had an app. It was called the Don Cannon app. You could go on the app. And you could see where I was DJing at for the next month. Uh, I had a platform called Studio Rats. You could go in there and look at the Studio Rats. It's basically like um, an impromptu studio session of me working with maybe Asher Roth back then or Cool Kids or, you know, Currency. Well, yeah, shout out <laughs> so, to, so, to Spitter. Uh, I had all that on the app. And it, I think it was too, uh, it, it felt a little personal. So it was like, I need to figure out that. So. I kind of let it breathe, you know, die out a little bit because it was just too personal. It's like, man, you're going to find out on the internet, Ticketmaster, where I'm at. How can I next level it? So I just, mm -hmm. it kept changing, but I always stayed technical. I was always internet. I was always, what's the next move? Uh, figure out Wi-Fi, figure out encryptions, figure out how not to get hacked. You know what I'm saying? All the way into, you know, the dat piffs and how we can get uh, music out over the net or you know how we can promote over the net so it's always been a tech it's just not me popping up like yo uh he's now in tech now because you know you can get that stigma of people like yo he's just moving because everybody else doing yeah, black you know yeah, yeah. yeah you can get that stigma but this is just always being in me and hopefully what i'm putting out there people seeing it like oh no he's really been doing it like anybody that i grew up with or anybody out there can attest to how much stuff i've done Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. On the technical side, you know, I mean, even the, my cribs be technical. It's like the Matrix. You might have to, you know, <laughs> hit the little button. <laughs> this works, the thermostat, this does, the, you know, it's just always been like that for me. So, it just always runs. Concurrent. It's nothing that I'm out here doing. Like I don't drink liquor, so I don't have a liquor company. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I don't have cannabis. I don't smoke. So it's like this is something that I really do. Something that's a passion of yours that you took. There you go. And so, applied it to help artists. There you go. So you said it was easy. When you say easy, like you just found the right coder and everything like that. You didn't have no hiccups in the road. So no, we had oh, but a lot of hiccups. You know what I mean? But what I mean by easy was the thought process mm -hmm. and getting it done. That's the first step. That's the easiest part. All the rest of the stuff is not easy. So I can, I'll break it down for you. I can be totally transparent. Uh, 
I had somebody that I, I came up with in school. We uh, He was already doing apps. I tried to get him to do the app. It didn't turn out well. Mm-hmm. We moved forward. We lost money there, right? Mm-hmm. So then I felt like because I did this, I, I'm more of a, uh, when I say architect, that moves into puzzles, figuring mm-hmm. things out and being a uh, solutionist. So then I started thinking about, oh, man, I took I took the weight on my shoulders. Like, oh, I fucked that up. I'm, let me get to let me find out who really does this. Mm-hmm. So I went to a deep dive in the internet. You know, you go black black market. You go all down there, and then I turned up, and I found a company uh, that actually built it for us, and then uh, took us through each step. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we watched it getting built. We talked to certain people while it was getting built. We had a product yeah, like manager and stuff like. That. Yeah, and you know, one of the hardest things as an entrepreneur is you know. As black entrepreneurs, you know, we had as uh, we we are almost oppressed a lot of times. We see money going out the door, and we feel like we're not gonna make it back. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of like always hustling. So the first thing is, hey, this is gonna cost a lot of money. That's money out the door. It's the bootstrapping. That's hard as shit to do on your own to bootstrap something that's gonna cost a lot of money. And figuring like, man, Especially we might not, tech space. yeah, we might not see any income from this in five years, three years, thirty years. But it's a step forward into believing in a process. So we had those. Make we had investment in yourself. That's right. So we have, we have, uh, we have these hiccups where you run into people that don't really know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of people that thought they knew how to promote, know how to market. You know what I'm saying? And you know, uh, just do a whole bunch of stuff. Those are all hiccups. And then you know, you run into you know, once you have your MVP and you have your app. Then you gotta worry about bugs. You know what I mean? Is it working properly? Can I show it to people? Like it's just it's so much. It's not the that part is not the easy part. The easy part is the process of what we think it should look like, how we want it to be perceived. But as far as like uh, all the other stuff, that's the that's the hard shit. Paying for it and it being two hundred grand, but wind up being two hundred seventy five grand or five hundred grand. Because Jeez. you run it, you know, mm-hmm. you run You're it tall. These hiccups, you had, bro. You got the first it. person that you thought to do and that you paid. <laughs> yeah. You budgeted out for that. Now yeah. you gotta double back and yeah. do it again. And, and like you find out later, like we could have, you know, there's people out here that make apps and they sell their mainframe or their frame for the app, and you can copy that app and be a lot cheaper. You mm. know what I'm saying? And you know. We white label we didn't go that route we didn't go to you know snapchat and copy that mainframe we did our own mainframe then you got to think about being on ios which is a mac and then going to android. android and paying the same amount of money that you paid for that one because they're not compatible they're making ways of doing it now but these are all the things we're thinking about we got that up and people hit you like yo i'm on android i really want to be on a platform how can i do it and I want to be like, man, go get an iPad, you know, an iPhone. <laughs> but at the same time, like we got to pay for an Android version. So all these hiccups you learn through the process, you know what I mean? And I was used to the process doing this with music. Like we'll break an artist, you come back with another artist. They're like, oh yeah, you got that one off, but I don't know about this one. Then I got to make him a superstar. And then they come back the same thing. Oh, you had them too. It's just always a song dance. So it's the same process when we're building this. It's like, we know we're going to run into some stop signs. Mm-hmm. We just got to get past it. So those are all the hiccups that we run into. And then, you know, just, you know, funding. You know, funding in itself is hard to get people to believe. Yeah. I got so many people that fuck with me on a music tip, but just be 
tap dancing yeah. on the investment. Oh, that's dope, you bro. Know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, and I'd be like, man, don't miss the train. I'm giving you an opportunity to be a part of a unicorn. Mm-hmm. And it'd be like, if you step, uh, I you know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and I, I don't want it to be too late, but all the investors out there, you're listening, I'm telling y'all. That's all I'm saying. So I, I do want to ask this. Uh, is this tomorrow available like through a website? Uh, if an artist wants to get on the platform that way, could they go into like the browser and do that? We were thinking about making a, a, web, a, a web piece of the brand, mm-hmm. but right now we're just on iOS. Oh, yeah, we, we have a website. You can go check out the website. You can learn about it and everything. Uh, but it's really just, uh, you know, iOS. You could do uh, the iPad if you got it. Because it's in the same form. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so with the marketplace, how are you guys going to be making y'all money off of it? Are y'all charging a certain percentage for everything coming through? Yeah. How's that set It's going to be a percentage on the jobs that's coming through. So okay. that's how we're making our money, and that's how we're keeping the brand going. So good. So uh, also with it, what is like the cost of actually maintaining that? Because a lot of people think that, you know, once I get it built, I, it's just good. But then there's also like maintenance with apps. Like you said, there's bugs. Yeah. There's people that try to hack shit. Like what's the cost of actually maintaining an app as well? So again, being all transparent, because I want people to know what it takes. Uh, when we, we did the first MVP and the first app with that company, after we built it, it cost us like 300 some thousand dollars, right? Um, maintenance was around between eleven and fifteen thousand dollars a month, Jesus. right? For maintenance, then we moved into where we kind of so so I break it down with tomorrow. When we first did the tomorrow app, it was for all creatives across the board. So we were going for DJs that wanted to do weddings and all that. But I kept people kept coming to me and asking me how can I get in the music business. So it was only right for us to get it into the music aspect mm-hmm. and get a niche like that way I can you know I can give you ideas better. When I'm there, it's like I don't know about weddings like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? But I do know about music. And mm-hmm. I'm 100% sure that this could be the way you get to the next level. So um, all that being said, when we swapped it over, we started, you know, making little tweaks and stuff like that. But again, maintenance every month. iOS changes every month. New bugs are our changes. Privacy you know, our You know, our maintenance is six to $10,000 a month. You know what I mean? Just keeping it going and keeping you know adding things and it's just an ongoing thing it's the, the baby has to grow you got to keep feeding it you know what i'm saying we got verification with things now you, you know you become the, the verified uh creative and, you know we just keep adding things adding things we're building brands we're doing uh the beat store which is you know coming up pretty soon uh it's just it's just an ongoing thing and the, the train doesn't stop you just have to keep paying out at just what the investment calls for you know what i mean they say I like that analogy of a baby with business because people always think uh, a business is going to be a full-grown adult. Right? <laughs> right? Nah, oh, this no. thing going to be... I'm be making... Itself, it's going to be feeding me. We're going to... Nah, nah. Homie. Yeah, you nah, have to nah, Take bro. care of that thing for a nah. few years before it becomes a bit... In the, be able to be independent and start doing it. So That's I'm right. glad that you share that. That's right, man. That's right. And what type of growth have you seen since y'all launched? Uh, we see a lot. We have thousands of creators. I don't know That's the awesome. exact number, but it's a whole lot. You know what I mean? Hell and, yeah. Uh, we're growing by the minute. We're seeing anywhere from 200 to 300, 300 downloads a day. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's just coming from word of mouth. And, you know, us jumping into, like, you know, uh, really getting to certain creatives and helping them engage. Like, we did a project with uh, Brittany B. 
And Brittany B is like, you know, she's been out here, she's on Love and Hip Hop. She does music, great writer. Uh, we did, uh, we did a, 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 a situation with her where we're helping her find creators for her project, like, you know, uh, the photographer, producer, writers, all that for our project. So that's doing really well. And it's just us engaging in the community and helping people get the things they need to blow up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So those those are the things that's helping. Uh, you know, again, it's tough because we're it's black owned. You know, we out here just doing it. We not really got a super VC behind yeah. us pushing this joint. We're just really, you know, doing this off the rip and just to see thousands of people get on this app and, and you know be a part of you know, something that can be big, it means a lot because it's, it's helpful for the community and the creatives. My guy Reggie actually shared a video with me. It was like whenever people hear black on, they think that we're looking for some type of handout or like <laughs> they're acting as it's a charity instead of actually investing in a business. So it's interesting that you, you know, you just said, you know, the hurdles that we have to face Absolutely. as being black on. Absolutely. Me and my guys always talk like on a money level. And it's like, bro, we made tons of money and we put tons of money back into community. We never got a chance to invest in Target, in Uber, and these type of companies because we weren't accredited. You know, we didn't get that chance. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times. So that early stage investing. Yeah. So like being in this, you know, so-called minority space like it's it's great for us to be able to poke our chest out and be like yo it's black owned because we went through all the hardships to get here you know this ain't just some you know producer that made a lot of money just trying to put it into something this is like for the community bro Mm -hmm. this is like this is some real like i'm really passionate about this it's like it's helping me a lot because i really had an issue not giving people real answers i couldn't you know, I might not have been lying, but it was like it wasn't a real answer for me to say because, keep working I mean, hard. You couldn't, you couldn't get into the particulars of everything. There you go. There, there you but go. I am glad that you created this solution because I got in my head when I first seen it. I'm like, bro, this is like fiber, but specifically for, for the music, music yeah. industry. Yeah, and I think it's so Absolutely. necessary for Absolutely. Like, artists and creatives to have that centralized platform that they can go to. So definitely, man, you have our support here at Black Woman. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna throw this out there too. It's not just for creatives. You know, we got labels. Any any label owners out there, any people that have independent companies, even the real labels like Atlantic, they should get on there and find the creatives. We got thousands of people ready to work. Like they're the dope as hell. Like that that's opening. We got the mm-hmm. client side. We got the creative side. So you know, if you're a client and you you know you you know y'all could go on there and find people to do you know artwork, artwork you know chop what I'm up the or, pie. or or do y'all intro like somebody rap you know it, it's so much stuff for everybody like y'all can just hire people you know what I mean hey that's dope that's a great idea I appreciate yeah. that and you kind of uh, actually talked about investing us being black wealth renaissance that's something that we really like to push with the community is just financial literacy yep. is were you investing early on or you know was that something that you were taught in your younger days you know you say you touched a lot of paper yeah. was that something that you were doing throughout your younger days yeah, up so, until now yeah so luckily you know even growing up like we had good lives but we still were still not even, you know, in the mid-class at mm-hmm. some point. Uh, my mom was an accountant. She used to do all our family's taxes because they didn't have a bunch of money to pay CPAs to yes. do certain things. So 
she always, you know, coming up, she always taught me that. That's why I took business management because it's like, bro, I'm not going to take accounting. She's already teaching me that. Mm-hmm. And she's always taught me, like, um, how to save, how to invest. We I had CDs early in life. It wasn't a bunch of money, but it was just money. Something has given you a return on something. Yeah, yeah. My money marketing accounts was no money in there. I didn't have nothing. I was mm-hmm. in school eating you know, chicken patties and, you know what I'm saying? We Shout out to the camp. School, you know what I'm saying? So, um, she taught me how to do that. You know, when I first got my piece, Chunk of Change, she wasn't even excited. She was like, oh yeah? Come on, we're going to put this away for taxes, put this away for the investment, put this, in, you know, and I was like, man, I just made this money, can I spend this shit? You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, man, fuck that. You know what I mean? So, so uh, she taught us how to invest. I got into like, uh, early utilities. I don't know if people know about stocks and bonds mm-hmm. and utilities. Like I was investing in certain gas monies and just making money. Uh, it saved me a couple of times because, you know, a couple of times being young, I ran through a lot of bread and I was able to pull from that. Mm-hmm. You're just having the cash on hand just to save my life. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I was always in the stocks since like 26. Uh, I was always in, like, like I said, the utilities and just having uh, those uh, retirement accounts. And uh, I just, I just always was in that space. Like, I even people around me that's getting money. It's like, bro, you always been on some financial literacy, uh, literacy shit. I was like, yeah, I, you know, my Dukes put me on. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, shout out Dukes to Miles for real, dog. Put me on. So I had a lot of that, uh, a lot of those uh, anchors. You know what I mean? She was just like, you know, again, we didn't come from a lot of money. We just, you know, we made it, we made it work for what we had, and, and uh, you know. We have some of the same backgrounds as everybody. Like everybody wasn't rich. Everybody mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> but I was I was uh, thankful that she taught me those because I can carry that on. And now I know how much I can play around with. How much you gotta put away. How much we need to do for the taxes. The fact that she told you to put some money away for taxes. Taxes, hell so, yeah, like, yeah. Clutch, I already know. Cause imagine how many. Well, not just imagine. You, I'm sure you seen it firsthand. Yeah. Artists get their first check and they think. Man, I got this advance for a million. I got a million dollars. And it's like, oh, buddy. <laughs> nah, nah, play you got, got 600000 off top. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, and, and and not for nothing, I'll give you a little background. So I do a lot of um, issuing. Like, so if I have issues, I always wonder where the issue comes from. Mm-hmm. So when I look back at my childhood and uh, we grew up, we had a lot of problems with police and the police, like, stopping us and, you know, pulling us over, harassing us and all this stuff. You know, my cousin got killed when we were younger by the police. And it just, yeah. I've always had a problem, you know, with uh, the law at some point. And I just felt like at any point it was just, it wasn't in my hands. You know what I mean? So I was like, yo, let me make it in my hands and do all the right things. So that came with the taxes. Make sure you pay your taxes so in eight years you don't get tax evasion and have to do something that you didn't want to do, like go to jail. You know what I mean? So a lot of that stuff was like, yo, just get these things out the way. These are the rules. Try to figure out the loopholes. Try to figure out certain things, but keep your you know PT, PTSD down by yeah. you know, doing the right thing. So that's what you know keeps me on a straight and narrow with yeah. always putting this aside for you know Uncle Sam. Uh, put that away just in case you know you got to reach out and touch the money at some point. Rainy and, day, you know, getting an investment. So you know we got a lot of that going on as as young black dudes. Just like we'd be successful and then we end up making a, a terrible choice on greed 
and having to pay for it later. It might, IRS might not come get you that day. You know, they may come get you later on. Yeah, they let it build yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. They get a case on you, then yeah. they come pop out. Or even if you don't pay it right away, man, the, the, the interest rates on Hell that money yeah. is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? So I learned my way through that and just kind of stayed on, you stay on the way. It's like, hey, man, I made this money. Put that away. Get that out the way. Or spend it all and I had to pay nothing. You know what I mean? But again, you the right way <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, so that's, that's where I'm like, you know, trying to keep it smart. And I'm, t- I'm teaching all the people around me, like, when you get your advance, put your money aside for certain things. You know? Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. Cause I, we, we always see the stories of like this artist, the fall from glory where they had all of this money or whatever. The MC like, Hammer yeah, story. Yeah, like they get, but people be sleeping on MC Hammer. MC Hammer still kind of, he yeah. shook back. Like yeah. he, he got but, some investments. Uh, the, the stories. But yeah. 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 But we, we see all of those things and I'm happy that you're talking to your people that you're bringing up. Like, yo, this is what you need to do because now they can smooth smarter. They can make these investments and they can put back and you can... They they're gonna teach the people that's coming up behind them, and it's really just planting that seed into yeah. them for it to keep on growing and just keep on cultivating. I yeah, love that it's, shit. It's about learning, bro. Because you know, again, we all came oppressed at some point. You know what I mean? So, you know, uh, when you get your first chunk of change at twenty one years old, a kid's getting a record deal for three four million dollars, fucking two point five of it in cash in pocket. It's like, what do you do at 21 years old like that? That's a dream come true. Yeah, we always came up. up riding by like, oh, that's my car. That's my car. Or when I get a million dollars, I'm going to do this. And so once you got that million dollars at 21, we be like, oh, shit. And then it goes out the door. Mm-hmm. And we don't learn until we got to make it back. So I want to get out there. Like even some of the artists down, when they get their advances, I'll be like, yo, you should do your joint in chunks where, you know, make them pay you how much it is. You know, first of all, every month you should have a, a balance sheet of, how much you need to make to be okay. Your bills, your entertainment, your food, whatever you need to do. But once you have that money set aside, say your monthly bills is five grand. I was telling some people, make some of your advance every month be six sixty five hundred, seven thousand that it comes once a month and not all in your pocket. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So you can it out. Yeah. So now you got all you covered your bases and gotta worry about the Monday dwindling because I just bought a watch or I just bought a chain or I bought all the new Balenciaga shit. Like take a piece of that money and fuck around with it and then put the rest of the money on your daily your your monthly things like shit. I'm getting a monthly for ten grand every month taking care of my bills, taking care of everything I need, then I can take a little 25, 30 grand, buy clothes, cars, whatever I need, and pay for your stuff. That's why I've been teaching people so many ways. They don't think about their money like that. It's that I'm getting 600 coming in. You know what I mean? They just see the O's, dog. Bro, it's sad. I, I went through it, and that's where we get a, you know, the difference between the young guys and the OGs is that we never get a chance to listen to OGs most of the time. Like, I mean, they old. They don't know what they're talking about. But I'm telling these guys. The biggest thing there. I think about is whenever Joe Button and uh, uh, Lil, Yachty. Lil Yachty, like, Button was telling them, like, yo, dog. And he was just like, nah, dog, you tripping. Like, nigga, I just, I just want to be the artist. I just want to create. And then a yeah. few few years later, he came back. He was like, no, I kind of was fucking up. I really had to. I had to self reflect. So I think that's that's really major, dog. And one of the last things I kind of want to talk about is the artists that y'all are working with right now. Uh, Jack Harlow, the Uzis. Like, what is that like having some of those major people on the label and really just 
keeping those people going do you have to do a lot of the marketing because they're so hot like how, how does that work um the good thing about both of those artists that you speak of one uzi is a self-marketer like we were talking about came up in that age mm -hmm. um he knows exactly how to stay hot how to get hot if you need be uh where to get the shock value from and what type of songs he wants to make Put for his, diamond in his head. Head. <laughs> you know that, that was the one for me. Holmes is Holmes is incredible with that. Yeah. I mean, we we could never take away we could never take that away from him. Like, you know, we add the nooks and crannies on it and you know, and push the button for him. But for the most part, Holmes know what he's doing. To follow up, I mean he had a vision. To follow up, Jack is the same person. He has a vision. Uh he knows the shock value, he knows how to get there, he knows the records to make, and he knows how to captivate the crowd. These guys is really convicted on what they be doing. Like, you know what I mean? And and uh, we're happy that we were able to uh, get next to these guys to help their vision become bigger than life. Mm -hmm. But these these guys already had it. The, the people we got coming up, Seti Hendrix, uh, Kaluminati, uh, Sunny Digital, which is a legend. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Carvina, which is our new R&B sensation. And any artist that's coming forward, we just want people to be convicted and know what they're doing so we can help them with their vision. And the way it's looking, like all these guys know how to do that. They know how to shock value. They know how to uh, get to the next level. They know how to do all this stuff. So all we're doing is moving the train. We're driving the train from letting them go. It's the product. And, and that's where it comes in. We don't have to do a lot of marketing, like mm -hmm. you're saying. Like we have to, you know, just keep pushing what they got going on. And, and it's special. You know, a lot, you don't get that from a lot of artists. Yeah. But nowadays, these kids know how to do that. These kids know everything about YouTube, yeah. everything about TikTok. <laughs> they get hot fast. They know that you know everything at the right moments. They they teach me about yo. Just go and look at your analytics and see at three o'clock on Wednesday. That's the hottest time for you to drop this. You know, I'm sure y'all know when to drop your podcast. So we just sitting back and like, okay, we know you don't know how to really, you know, drive there, but you know you got the product and you know mm -hmm. what to do. So that's how we you tapped in on that side. We was gonna refine it on the There you go, refine it, the perfect word. It, since since you know the kids also tapped in, is it harder to find artists nowadays? Because I feel like it's so easy because we did grow up in the era where, you know, we jumping on the Instagram, we yep. had MySpace back in like eighth grade. Like we've been on the social media for so long. Like like you were talking about earlier, you know, the people that got the big social media presence, is it hard to find some of those artists who you know are going to really de deliver that product that is longevity, like yeah. like a Uzi or like a Jack Carlo? Yeah, that's hard as shit. I ain't going to lie. Only because um, when we were younger, I, I say this, like even, even in your era, like if you had on the Jordan threes, bro, I wore these. You wore them. You know what I mean? We all wanted to be like, I'm me. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Now we see a lot of, if he got an ice style watch, I need an ice style watch. That's going to make me pop. Or, you know, if, the, if social media is doing this, I'm going to copy his social yeah. media. If he got purple, blue hair, I'm going to get purple and blue hair. It's not really a lot. real. sounds type stuff. Everything. If, I, if he sound like that, he make pain music, I'm going to make pain music. And, you know, again, uh, the hip-hop culture is addictive. Like, we got a lot of, like, elements in there that make you want to be that. Like, mm -hmm. even from a fan's perspective. Like, when I was little, I wanted to be LL and, and Mob Deep and Biggie. Like, I just wanted to get the Versace shirt as soon as I had enough money to get it. You know what I mean? People wanted to be a Pac and, you know, and do certain things. Get the baldy. Like, it's an influential thing. 
But at the same time, it's hard because we don't know what's what. All we're looking at is social media and we're seeing 55,000 people following this kid. He got 150 comments. What does this mean? Like, Does this mean that we can take him off social media, put him at Rolling Loud, and the whole stadium is going to go crazy? No. You know what I'm saying? So we see a lot of that. Yeah, we see a lot of artists. They got 500,000 views. Uh, they got all the stuff and then can't sell a hard ticket to save their life. You know, have a room with 50 people in it. It's like, man, we thought you had a million followers. Like, what's going yeah. on? It don't connect the same. So we're, we're still, the, the great thing about that is we're, we're able to still be uh, the, the foundation to help people grow from a seed. You know what I'm saying? And not, you know what I mean? From the social media hype. Oh, yeah. you know, I don't think we would do well with somebody like that. Like you, like you said, you don't look at that as the main thing. You're trying to just find people who have music that really connects with the audience. Facts. 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 So, Don, nah, man, I want to say thank you so much. I, I appreciate you having me, man. Today, bro. Appreciate you. We're going to get into just a couple of the last little questions that we like to ask. So, yes, we, uh, we talked about some of them with the personal finance side of things. But I want to ask, what's a personal finance tip If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. That you like to share with the people. Uh, So, (laughs) I got the 50, 30, 20, and 10 rule. Okay. okay, talk to me. I know what it is, but talk to me. No, you don't. No, you don't. I might (laughs) be. So it's, it's actually 10 and 10. So if I got 50 that I put away. Uh-huh. Uh, I got 30 that I play around with. Mm-hmm. 20 that I, uh, I choose as philanthropy is what I call. Mm-hmm. Like I have something set away for, uh, for and that makes my 100%. 100%. If I split them in 10, it's philanthropy and just uh, investing in, um, it's two different things, investing in little companies. Like if y'all got a company and y'all need some backing, that would be part of my 10% right. for that. Or, you know, just if I break them up in 10s, mm-hmm. like, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes I keep the 20, like, all philanthropy. I might go around the city. I might, you know, give people money. Friends call, you know, everybody, you know, my sister want to go to school. Want to do, that's just money out the door that I don't know is coming back. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So as long as I got my 50 away and my 30 to play with, the 20 or the two 10s, I go and, you know what I mean, either, you know, everybody got hardship. You know, mm-hmm. you can borrow money and got, you know, you know, some people just, you know, I, a lot of the 10% sometimes be having meals and paying for people's merch just that don't got nothing to do with the music. It's something they trying to do on the side. So those are my, you know, my pushes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely wasn't what I was thinking. <laughs> what was, I heard of what like, was thinking? It was like a budgeting. Uh, it's kind of like the same, but it was a budgeting rule that I had uh, read live about. 50, yeah. 30 yeah, like you live off 50, you pay 30% of like debts. Yep. Uh, then the other... Other ones, it's like uh, investing. Yeah. And then another one is like, uh, yeah, your savings, like emergency saving funds yeah. or something. So my, like so my 50, it involves uh, debt paying off. I got you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you I keep debt, that in the, the living expenses. Yeah, because my 30, I don't want to play around. I want to go buy all the sneaks and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I get the debt out. And that's the, one of the first things I do is too. If I get, when I get money, I clear the debt, period, on everything. I don't, you know, some people say, hey, man, you should leverage debt. And all that. I just pay all debt. You know, it, you know, people talk debt free. I just don't like owing nobody. I don't like owing money at all. Like, yeah, I, don't, at all. I don't want nobody to say, he ain't pay me. I'm paying. I don't like owing people money. 
<laughs> Money good everywhere. Yeah. Your name good everywhere. Yeah. So I got I got some questions and it's three of them. Little, real rapid. First one: Are you frugal or are you flexor? I go back and forth, man. So <laughs> so some days I'm frugal. Like she'll tell you, like I'm frugal. Some days, some day I'm flexing. You know what I'm saying? Most days I'm frugal. Some days I get up like we out. It's it's <laughs> it's. It's baller day. What we call it? What we call it uh, it's fucking Fridays. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> we go fucking Fridays and just go ape shit yeah. for no reason. But sometimes that gives me a rush to keep hustling. Sometimes mm-hmm. I might get stag- uh, staggered and just like the frugal space. Like, man, you're not having no fun. You're making all this money. You ain't doing nothing. Sometimes I just get in that space like, fuck it. We out. Yeah. We just go whatever whatever you do. Sometimes I take the shit back. You know what I'm saying? You went you 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 crazy. crazy. Yeah, you went crazy. But most of the time we just go have fun, bro. It just keep me sane. And you know, um, I just recently found out it's a term for this shit. It's called inspirational shopping. So I'm like, oh shit, as a creative, I needed inspirational shopping to help me think about the next things I'm doing. Uh, but I, I know somebody that was telling me in California they get paid to do uh, inspirational shopping for a certain artist, and they get like a certain budget. It'd be like three million or something like that, and they'll go just go all over the world and get all the shit and bring it back, and that person gets uh, inspiration from that. So I'm like, oh shit, that's what I'd be doing. Cause most of the time I'd just be shopping for inspiration. I go right before the studio, I do stuff, and never knew what to call it. But when they when they took the receipts to the accountant, it was inspirational shopping. <laughs> you know that's what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, okay, I got you. I, that, that's my new shit now. That's hard. You know what I mean? So the second one is, how are you building wealth for your future? What are you doing? A lot of people, you know, we, we think about the money side, but really wealth, building that wealth for your legacy. Network. So everybody thinks wealth was built on money most of the time. You know, it's just controlling the money. Mine is basically my network. If I can give enough opportunities in the world, and I'm not wishing for it to come back, uh, but I put enough opportunities in the world that if I ever need something, my, my olive branch or my, you know, my my uh, my network will help me stay afloat. Period. In any situation, and that's how I do right by people. I like to try to get as many people put on, and try to put people in so many positions to make money because. You know, me and Drum say all the time, we have a passion for people blowing up. You know what I'm saying? So if I can put that out there and just always have my network, I'm cool. I know a bunch of people that don't have a lot of money, they have a solid network that they don't need it. They always gonna be able to have a roof over their head. They always gonna have family members. They always gonna have certain pieces that keep them, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Pharrell's Pharrell's clothing line is wealth is in the heart and not in the pocket you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. the wealth is of the mind and not in the pocket that's what you billionaires boys club was built on so that's how i think about it i think about you know uh i think about how much i'm putting out there as a network like it don't have to be money in your pocket i can just tell you where you can shoot your podcast it's going to give you two million views on that day you know that's going to live with you forever you're going to be like man don i remember don said blah 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 and even if you don't kick it back it's cool it's just it's just putting it out there in a the world that um, it's gonna come back somewhere. Do right by people, and like that like energy comes back. Yeah, even yeah. if they don't pay it back, the energy. Yeah, yeah, everybody don't appreciate it, but I'm not there for their appreciation. I'm just there as in, you know, my legacy. I want to be able to give out as much uh, energy for a step for somebody as possible. 
You know, and that's and that's how I'm gonna stay wealthy in my life. I think. Okay, my last one. Do you have life insurance? No, but it's funny you said that. My mom just called me the other day and was like, "Yo, there's some pretty good rates on life insurance." And I was asking her, I was like, "Yo, give me some breakdown because, you know, my my whole thing was insurance is like they scare you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, what if something happens? That's an erratic way to invest or an erratic way to." Put money towards something. Factor. It's a fear yeah. factor. I don't never want to invest because I invest because I'm fearful, mm-hmm. and it, that's why I never got life insurance. You know what I mean? And life is unpredictable. You never know what's gonna happen. But uh, she just called me the other day, like, "Yo, you should really just do some studying on it, look at it, and see what it's about." Um, some really good rates. Uh, some people can do it where they can pull money from it in yeah. an emergency. Uh, that's one thing I haven't gotten to. Is life insurance and trust funds really? I, I'm starting to learn the trust fund thing too. It's just those things. Um, again, being oppressed, like when you make a certain amount of money, as a people, we always want to have enough cash on hand for emergencies. And then you know, and the other side, they don't have any cash. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, most white people don't have any cash. They invest everything. Us, we like, we black, like, man, what if I need 50 grand real quick to do? Like, liquidate your yeah. business and need me, but see what I'm saying? You have to have it in cash. We, we got to see it. It's got to be in the account so you can be like, I'm good, I'm good. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I'm starting to get into it uh, now. I'm going to study it, but again, insurance is still, it's, it plays on the fear, so I'm just kind of like, I, it's definitely an uncomfortable conversation for most. Like, yeah. I, I get it uh, with life insurance because it's like, I know the first time I had bought life insurance myself, I was like, it should it send me down a dark place. I'm like, damn, bro, what if I really die? Like, I'm 20 years old. What if I die tomorrow? Like, you know, just thinking about it all, but I, I definitely think it's still one of those things for our community. It is important to have. Word. Uh, just on the end case, because, I mean, like, everybody's situation is different financially. I know, like, for somebody like you, you don't like to accrue debts. You make sure you pay your stuff off. Um, but one of the major benefits that one of our financial advisor friends, Wes, had taught us was like using life insurance uh, to pay off your debts. And then another one, uh, the strategy Chris taught us, buy, borrow, die, yeah. was just like you get life insurance to cover the cost of all the assets that you have. Yep. And then whenever you die, your life insurance pays the assets off so that you can pass it down to your kids. So that's one thing she was telling me about. It's crazy because I thought when you die, it's just whatever. You still have to pay shit yeah. when you're dead. <laughs> I didn't know that. So I'm like, even oh, so it's just it's like, yo, you get this just in case. Your house and everything will be paid off and you don't leave that debt to, you know, your wife or your kids and stuff. I'm like, damn, they make you pay that shit when you die? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Now that part makes sense. Mm-hmm. So they don't burn, they don't burden the you know, the, you know, the penalties or whatever. So, And another thing with life insurance, a lot of times, whenever people do talk about life insurance, it really should be called death insurance because that's what people are referring to it there as. But there are policies that you can activate and use while you're living. Another one of uh, the things that, uh, I think it was Corey, actually, he was uh, teaching us, is like, there's a policy that if you get sick, you can tap into this money mm-hmm. and they'll pay for your uh the living benefit. Your, yeah, the living benefit. Policy. They'll pay for your hospital bills, your doctor bills. If you're missing time away from work, you can tap into some of those things. So I always ask that question because I once again, being Black Wealth Renaissance, I want our community to know that 
these are things that we don't talk about, but I feel like we all should just really tap into and have access to. That's a fact. I want to get a, get over the hump because, you know, there's been times where I had car insurance and I might have crashed back in the day and I had to go through a whole bunch of fucking hula hoops to get, you know, mm -hmm. my money mm -hmm. or just anything. I might have lost a piece of jewelry and I had to just do all this shit. And it's like, bro, I'm paying y'all $2,000 a month and I got to do all three months bullshit. to my bread. Yeah. So, Man. I had to get over that hump with life insurance mm -hmm. thinking it's the same thing before I get in a space where I'm like, okay, I'm fully yeah. ready to go ahead and just put in, you know, more than likely, um, just being ahead of the game and just kind of be a part of that. I may just jump into it just cause, but again, just find you the right agent. Yeah. Find you the right agent. Yeah. The person you feel comfortable with, like like your mom said, bro. Just yeah. do your research and figure out what's what you most comfortable. With. Yeah, I'm on that. I'm on that. So I appreciate that. No problem. For sure. Don, bro, again, gotta say thank you so much for coming no out. Doubt, man. I appreciate y'all. Yeah. Giving us your story, man, letting us learn more about tomorrow, the great things you're doing over there. Uh, and really, man, yeah, just thank you for coming out. So, and speaking, yeah, speaking of tomorrow, let them know where they can download mm -hmm. it at. Yep. Let them know where they can uh, follow you, tap into everything that you got going on as well. Okay, tomorrow app is in the app store, TMRO app. You can download it. Make sure you sign up, set up your portfolio. Man, for all the labels, again, all the labels, labels that's out there, get on there. There's tons of creatives out there waiting to work with you. They're talented as hell. Uh, creatives, get on there. And, and one thing I left out, too, about the app, it helps you get paid. You know what I mean? A lot of people, might, you might find a creative in a DM and not get paid right away or just got to chase your money down. This is a way to get paid. And security paid. So mm -hmm. once that job is done, you kick pay, the money goes right into your account. You gotta do a bunch of chasing. But make sure you get on there, man. I'm always on there looking for creatives. Uh, I set up, I'm about to set up a gig. A friend of mine wants me to mix a record. I'm about to get an engineer to mix the record on through the app. And just stay, just stay in that presence of the app, man. You always gonna find something on there, like, you know, that you're gonna need. And, and you know, not for nothing, you ain't gotta go through a bunch of social, you know, bullshit. To get what you need Try to, to get to business in the DMs ain't it, man. Bro, you know what I'm saying? So make sure you do that, man. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that shit is Don Cannon across the board. That's it, man. Show man. Hey, uh, look, I'm gonna put it in the camera. This is what it looked like. Oh, I already got it on the phone, man. We might have to put it on the screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there it is. Y'all download that. There it is. Download that. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, Don, again, thank you, my brother. So we're going to hop into a couple of house cleaning items before we get up out of here. As always, y'all, thank you for tuning into the Black Love Radio yes, Podcast. Yes, sir. Y'all, make sure y'all leave y'all boys that five-star rating. Right I need it. There you go. We need that. Don't be no whole-ass nigga. We done told y'all. Yeah, y'all. BWR. Hey, once we call y'all some whole-ass niggas, y'all left the review. So I guess y'all must like that shit ourselves. <laughs> like, we have to insult y'all for y'all to come on and actually do something. Yeah, we don't want to do that because we love y'all. We care about y'all. Real so shit. yeah, like we got some. One dude told us he paid off like seventy five percent of his debt, mm. fixed his credit score, like just off listening to the pod. Got his first investment property. It's a lot of valuable information that we share on the show. Uh, we just want to make sure that we helping y'all benefit and y'all helping others by sharing it, sharing it, rating and reviewing. Uh, yeah, get the five stars, man. We got to pay bills too. Yeah, exactly. I'm telling <laughs> you, uh, tap in the stack summer. So this summer we focus on our health, our wealth, and just really getting our mind and pockets right while we. Entering into this time of economic uncertainty, uh, Stack Summer, to join, all you have to do is text the word stack. 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 
337-455-7778. And then you'll join our group. It's over 600 other people in there. And we holding people accountable to reach their goals. My personal stat goal for the summer is 5,000. Jalen's is 10. Uh, we both, well, you about, you're a little over halfway there. Yes, sir. I'm, a little, I'm around halfway there. And we're just going to get to these goals, man. Mine, I'm stacking. I'm trying to get my first investment property. The same here. There you go. So, look. We here with y'all. We on this journey. So y'all join Stack Summer. Uh, Jalen, you got anything else for the people? Nah, man. Once again, I just want to say thank everybody. Uh, but whenever y'all do do the Stack Summer, y'all going to get a link. Make sure y'all submit the information in the link so we can keep y'all updated with y'all personal stack goal. We want to make sure that this is personalized for y'all. So appreciate y'all for tapping in and just kicking it with your boys. Uh, until next time, this is Blackwell from the side signing out. Peace. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.